everybody this is a nurse nurse Yvette with nurse Gary and we're over here having conversations as we take a road trip through where are we going through well when you go through the desert and get caught in bumper to bumper traffic that is bumper to bumper for no reason whatsoever <laughs> like no automobile accident um it could be that there is no livestock stopped in the middle of the road it could be that everyone's going the same direction and it's going. generally related to the inability of people to drive the speed limit and keep spacing or it could be we're all going the same place at the exact same time or it could be <laughs> 30 million people sitting inside of a space that only holds 10 million. What do we call it? It's like people... it's like 20 pounds of shit in a 10 pound bag. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. We're gonna try to bleep that out, but I think we call it what do we call it when what do we used to call it when we were going to work and poor planning? No, what people we had a name for it. Yeah, it's I'm stuck in traffic yeah, syndrome. Stuck in traffic syndrome. Where there's no real traffic but you're your um, self-conscious. Yeah. You're, you're kind of used to being it's like so it. It's so used to it. It believes it's in, you know, like the phantom limb pain. <laughs> the, the the phantom limb pain when you've lost a leg or an arm, but you can still feel like it's there. Self-convincing so thought that it exists. Yeah. Despite the evidence. We've like actually been like driving in traffic because we live in Los Angeles. So we've been driving driving in traffic like forever. So we've we actually... drove one hour and two hours and 15 minutes, which normally would take 45 minutes to drive. Right. And then when we get up there, we would, we would discover there was nothing going on, just people making decisions that they were going to drive way below the speed limit and like hold everyone else up because in their mind, it's going to be traffic eventually. <laughs> so why not create it? It's <laughs> crazy. So... Anyway, we were talking about, um, what else were we talking about, Gary? Well, I think strangely about? enough, we were t bored with our topics, so we were talking about serial killers or people who are so bored with their life that they end up creating a life of murder. So we were listening and, um, we were, and it was a man that killed his parents and we were like, what? And then we start talking about... It was actually the son of the parents who cut the guy off because he was fraudulently using dad's credit card. But either way, he took his parents out because he wanted, he wanted their money. He felt entitled to it. So then that took us to the Entitlement Club where it starts with children who get awards and everyone gets the same award for like the same level of effort. Participation same. trophy. It's as if they had, they all practiced, prepared, did the same thing. What prompted this thought, strangely enough, was that the mother was very much like a mother and was consoling to her murderous son and um, somewhat um, forgiving, well, we, shall we say. We're not going to say somewhat. She said she didn't believe he did it. <laughs> now, he kidnapped a young girl and signed a ransom note saying that he needed money out of his greed for money. 
and that the note was written in the little girl's handwriting. I'm not really sure where we're going with that, Mr. Cutney, but our whole thing was we developed the the human that comes from the particip- participation um, awards. So, from from childhood, they believe that they deserve things without real effort. And as they get older, these people become adults and they become people who are extremely entitled. And they you literally see them. They're the ones that they'll be damned if they have to wait in traffic. So they go off to the curb park and drive way past everyone else, risking their lives and everyone else's like, life. You, you mean on the shoulder? Yeah, they drive on, on the, the shoulder. shoulder. You know, you know, it's crazy. They drive on the shoulder. In bumper-to-bumper traffic. In bumper-to-bumper traffic because God, more God forbid. They're more yeah, important. God forbid they waited out like the rest of us. <laughs> but you know that entitled child that's a grown, well, it's a, a grown child rolling in their vehicle believing they should not have to wait like everyone else because they got the participation. Oh, maybe he's about to run out of gas. We're all running out of gas. But you can see they are angry. It's not even, oh, I'm in a rush, I have something, and then they do that courtesy, like, they don't do that courtesy, hey, I'm sorry, I gotta go. You know how people are really embarrassed by having to do something they know they shouldn't do? These folks don't do that. The I'm sorry wave. They don't, not these folks, these folks keep it moving. They give you an attitude, and they do that extra speed past you, because they were behind you. So now they're mad at you for some reason, because you were in front of them. How dare you not think of the idea first? (laughs) to drive by everybody uh, illegally on the shoulder. Is it a crime to expect people to learn from their parents or whoever their guardian is that things are not just handed to you. You do not have priority as any human. No human has priority unless they brought that ticket that gives you priority parking or or, or special passes. I think actually it all starts with like when a college kid climbs a uh, clock tower with an automatic weapon and opens up on the entire student body and a ray of bullets and the father yells up at him and says, nice shot, son. Well, that is actually comparable to the parent that gets offended that when a team <laughs> plays a game and only one child played very well, or maybe two, everyone else is going to get a trophy because you know what? You participated. <laughs> so as they grow up, you know, the parent is still doing the same thing. Like, you know what? You did a good job, even if you did something bad or you did something that was inappropriate. It's kind of like. Let's let penalty be penalty. I think that's what we're trying to say. Let penalty be penalty and then just enforce it. Exactly. I mean... Just face it. As our parents said when we were little, face the music. (laughs) If if we come to the acceptance that wrong is wrong and you make mistakes and we're not, you know, above human nature, then just pay the penalty and face the music. Not only that, he's right. But check out the, the I'm Sorry Club. What we've taught kids who now are becoming adults or teenagers, whatever, is if you say sorry, that everything is patched up. These same people grow up and they use sorry. There's no backup, no action to it, nothing. It's some form of disclaimer. Yeah, I said sorry. Like if this bungee cord <laughs> snaps and breaks, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, whoops. But, and no one is, there's like really no penalties for 
not being a good human for some people. For some people, if they put sorry on it, sorry fixes everything. It's actually the action to them. I said sorry. I made the effort to say sorry. I don't have to follow it up with maybe not repeating the behavior. We tend to want to be compassionate to all human beings instead of compassionate to the deserving. Which means when you wrong a human being or you wrong society, compassion is becoming the penalty. So we put the idea... That whatever we're compassionate about, that that is what the person should receive. Our compassionate penalty. Well, see, this is where politics becomes, like, murky. Because, oh, you know, I don't really know what's going on in politics. I tend to think I am a liberal. But when I think of the things that are happening, like, we're segueing a lot in our conversation. But... We got this homeless thing that seems to have burst out of nowhere and became like one of the worst situations I've ever seen. And nobody seems to think about how to help these people. Yeah, switching gears for a moment, going to homeless, is an idea that we're making mistakes with the decisions we're making across the board. We're not actually teaching work ethic in schools, we're teaching how to do things, yes, but there's a certain mentality that must be congruent and grown within, okay, for example, in the SEC, the SEC and in the stock market world, we create a moral business structure, we learned what it was like to build a structure without morals, without having a moral compass, and that's what we're talking about here is being able to build and grow people and businesses and family members with a moral compass. Right. With a set of values first and right. then driving us to meet our needs. Right. Because, I mean, if I'm speaking on the overall U.S. way of handling things, they seem to be confused about where to focus their energy first. Like, where where the most trouble is in our country. I'll see them in other folks' country dealing with issues over there and in your own backyard, it's like, uh, that's not that big of a deal. What's important is how we look to everyone else. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. Homelessness should have been combated like years ago. It's, a, it's, it's on a level now that I don't know how they're going to work this out. It's so bad because they've been abandoned. America has been abandoned by America. (laughs) Well, there's a certain level of um, thought that each individual family household should just look out for their own family household. And there's certainly enough evidence worldwide that cultures that are in existence do think in that manner where only their household is all they have to think of and not the entire big picture. But in America, generally, over the past 10, 20 years, we have not thought about just single-family households. And when you take cultures that overlap from other countries, not that this isn't an open and free nation that we are grounded upon from immigration but other cultures and adopting the way they do things 
is in a way stepping backwards because they haven't moved forward in a lot of cultures and societies about supporting the bigger picture. Right. It seems that... Um, and so it, that infiltrates America. Co-signing on what Gary's saying, that's absolutely true. Everyone migrates from their own country with their exact same um, customs, beliefs, and everything, and, and which is fine, but when we're in a blended nation where you need to be blending, we should have um, a progressive mindset, like, uh, as one. But they're just... Pop- every group that has migrated to America has their own pocket and that's our problem I believe it's it's actually percentaged America by breaking it into small 10% percentages 10% of this is important 10% of that is important 10% of this and that and so what you have is you have a watering down of what a positive forward movement is both educationally and societal. What I think is America has bit off more than they can chew. They don't know what to do. So they put their attention outside of their family. We are their family. America is one huge family. But they choose to put their energy somewhere else. Just like as individuals, if we are stressed out and we don't know how to deal with our own problems, we tend to get ourselves caught up in other people's problems and focus on everybody else's business you know gossipers and um people you know it's just an example america is doing the same thing we have homelessness we have people coming to the country who are going homeless or are not um, being treated properly we have discrimination we have abuse we got a lot of violence in this country and a lot of things that need to be focused we need to micro focus on what's happening at home and and deal with what's happening here before we head off to everybody else's country and to go back to what you were saying about participation being the important factor I can honestly say that if I'm flying in an airplane participation is not the most important factor the important factor is actually being the best at something being number one because if you don't have a person who's good at what they do flying a plane you have the potential to die and that and crash. So you're not going to give a pilot license to somebody. Oh, you did really well. You graduated last out of your class of 780 pilots. Here's your participation trophy. That's not how it works in the world of positive progression at the benefit of society. Well, that wraps it up for this really enticing interesting conversation. Well, I hope we've created thought in our listener. I, I, I think thought, we did. I think we covered a, a couple of topics there. We're all over the place, and, but I like um, it. <laughs> right back to step number one, be good parents, and may the good Lord take a liking to you. Yeah, I like that. It's a good conclusion. And you know what? Count your blessings. Time is luck, so treat every day like it may be your last. That's right. Be humble, kind. Take Thank care. you from me, Gary Cudney. And Shalanda Yvette. Take care.